Hello everyone, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to wait a moment while everyone arrives. Hello and thanks for joining us today. We'll get started in just a moment. All right. Hello, this is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Reliability and thank you for joining us for this best practices webinar today. You probably know Fluke is a test tool provider, and you may also know that we produce some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, from infrared cameras to vibration meters. But you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into EAM systems of record. It happens via a framework that we call Fluke Connect. Our goal at Fluke Reliability is to better connect asset management data and teams with asset management systems to drive connected knowledge. And of course, that knowledge depends greatly on best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. That's why we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. Before the presentation, we have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so the phone lines are muted to minimize background noise. We will be answering questions both during the presentation and afterward during Q&A. So take a moment now and find the questions tool in the GoToWebinar dashboard. Please feel welcome to submit questions as we go. I will share as many of your questions as time allows for our presenter to answer. If we have unanswered questions at the end, we'll follow up with written answers for you. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know during the survey that will appear at the end of today's session. So don't hang up until the survey appears and you've answered the questions. We're also happy to send you a certificate of attendance after today's webinar. You'll see a question on the survey about getting a certificate. Answer yes and we'll send one to you. A recording of this webinar will be available on the excelx.com website within a day or two. And that's it for housekeeping. Now for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us Scott Rojas, a CMMS and Project Portfolio Management PPM expert from Fluke Reliability. He'll be presenting on AIM First, aligning your organization for a successful CMMS implementation. Scott is a senior consultant and CMMS and EAM deployment expert for Fluke Reliability. He specializes in CMMS and EAM implementation, operational ex excellence, business process analysis, and quality management. He has consulted with a variety of industries, such as petrochemical, mining, discrete manufacturing, municipal wastewater, distribution, and others. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Leah. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I am great, and I know that you have a really good presentation for us today. And having had a sneak peek, I have a question for you. You take a very planned approach to CMMS implementation, but what do your customers say when you advise them on laying this groundwork so far in advance of implementing their CMMS software? Well, it's good if it's far in advance. That's probably the best case scenario. Sometimes it's not so far in advance and it's on top of the hour. And so mm. 
there's pressure on. So it's going to be a challenge to cover, you know, how different customers respond. But this question definitely warrants uh, some pause before we begin, because I really think it's fundamental to whether or not customers and uh, guests of the webinar should be interested in what I have to say here and kind of where the philosophy comes from. So I would refer typically to uh, Clausewitz, who was a Prussian army general in the early uh, 1800s, you know, around Napoleon times. And um, he's a theorist, a military theorist. And I'll read the quote. I have it always here with me. And he says, war plans cover every aspect of war and weave them all into a single operation that must have a single ultimate objective in which all particular aims are reconciled. No one starts a war, or rather, no one in his senses ought, ought to start a war uh, or ought to do so without first being clear in his mind what he intends to achieve by the war and how he intends to conduct it. The former in its political purpose, the latter in its operational objective. This is the governing principle which will set its course, prescribe the scale of means and effort which is required, and make its influence felt throughout down to the smallest operational detail. Uh, so, and I and why I chose that quote really here is because it's a question or uh, something that comes up quite a bit is planning. And so it probably wouldn't surprise anyone who's responsible for mastering business strategy that all of it, I mean, every single last drop of business strategy and planning comes from military theory on warfare and that, you know, anyone from Napoleon or to today's Joint Operations Command put all of their best efforts into planning uh, really well before mobilizing massive forces, either from or to different positions and well ahead of receiving an order uh, that hopefully will never come. So uh, we're gonna see some of this philosophy in the landscape today because it really has the very heart of business strategy. All right, well, I'll let you get to it. All right, excellent. So today's objectives, uh, we are going to cover AIM, and uh, general aim principles. And so I was actually asked about, well, what, what is AIM? Uh, is it a acronym? Well, I really didn't have an acronym for it, but to sum it up, align, integrate, monitor, and measure. So alignment is uh, vertical in this case, uh, integrate is horizontal, so it, it works in both axes, and then monitoring and measuring as the, if you're doing a CMMS project, for example, as the project goes on, so you're monitoring for health and validation, is it still valid? Uh, next thing we'll look at, next section, pretty briefly we'll go through that, but provide some insight into early CMMS initiative pitfalls that AIM addresses. Uh, AIM is synonymous with strategic direction, so keep that in mind and illustrate, uh, the next thing we'll do is illustrate the smart approach to CMMS implementation for establishing cause and effect strategic value. A lot of you folks probably use smart out there and uh, present ideas about what should be done about avoiding the pitfalls from the very beginning. So we have our first poll question here and the question is, which description below best portrays, uh, portrays how you view the CMMS. So I got five choices here. Uh, one is convenient alternative to requiring controlled processes, a tool to be uh, used as part of a strategic program or multiple programs. Uh, the next one is a strategic program in itself. 
The next one is RCM software. And then that, the last one is a maintenance and reliability database. So go ahead and select one. As per usual, there are no wrong answers, but you only get to pick one. So which description best portrays how you view ACMMS? A convenient alternative to requiring controlled processes, a tool used as part of a strategic program or programs, a strategic program in itself, RCM software, or a maintenance and reliability database. And of course, we're asking you this, so Scott has an idea of who's listening today and where you're at and perhaps why you use your CMMS or you're intending to use a CMMS. And we'd like to get about three quarters of the audience voting and we're actually very close. And then when we're done here, I will share the responses and I'll get Scott to give us his feedback. Again, there's no wrong answer here. Um, and all of it is educational for us. Okay, we are just about there. I'm gonna give you another 10 seconds or so. So make that best choice and then I will share the answers for all of us. And there we go. Okay, I am sharing now. And so we have 42% say that it is a tool used as part of a strategic program or programs. And 40% say it's a maintenance and reliability database. And we have 12% who say it's a strategic program in itself. 4% who vote for RCM software and 3% who vote for a convenient alternative to requiring controlled processes. So Scott, what do you say? I like my favorite answer on this is a tool used as part of a strategic program or mm. multiple programs. Mm -hmm. So 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 that's the, the primary uh, primary use of CMMS software and it could support uh, RCM and strategic program. You could say it is a strategic program in itself, depending on how you operate it. Um, it is certainly a maintenance and reliability database. The only thing I would say is that be cautioned about using it or using it in place of good uh, matured processes or good institutionalized processes. So that first one, be very cautious there. Um, with the approach because really it's just software at the end of the day. Okay, that's good. I was torn between the two top answers there, so I'm glad to see that everyone else was too, selfishly. <laughs> okay, I'm going to turn control back over to you. Excellent, instantly. All right, so we, I just wanted to point out, we held a very important webinar back in June. It was presented by our own professional services, Mr. Greg Perry, Senior Maintenance and Reliability Consultant, and uh, one of my esteemed colleagues. And if you missed it, it's definitely a must watch. Uh, the presentation walks the audience through our tried and tested 10 keys method of change uh, and its approach to CMMS implementation as well as other types of implementations. And it's available on demand uh, from our, our webpage. And so you can go ahead and take a look at that. Now, I just wanna point out here is that our intention, you can see down there on the left there is you have AIM coming in. And so those chevrons that you see next to AIM where AIM is pointing to is the uh, approach to a project. And everyone might have a different approach uh, we have a preparation blueprint, uh, blueprint, implementation, go live and audit. So just some simple processes and the 10 keys are aligned with that. So we'll have customers that uh, join us at any point in time. So your first, that the question you asked earlier, uh, Leah, about you know planning well ahead, the best case is to, to catch the uh, 
the customer or the client at the very beginning uh, in the early stages, which is either preliminary or initiating phase of a typical project. So just something to be aware of, but AIM stays with the project throughout. This is very important. That goes to uh, validation um, that keeps the project valid to return value. So let's talk about next what AIM is. So just a description of AIM. And so it can be described as the mission before the mission. So it should start before the mission starts, like I said, preliminary that targets firmly establishing strategic business alignment, which is also called strategic direction, as I said earlier, and then the justification and the motivational drive that warrants executive level sponsorship to commit required resources to carry through a specific course of action to achieve a strategic organizational ends. So you have to keep that in mind throughout because we're gonna talk about some concepts later on that push and pull and put some pressures on a CMMS project. So AIM should carry through the CMMS initiative um, for the coming uh, deployment challenges that can be faced. We see them all the time and uh, there should be good sponsored dis discipline. So the person who's actually submitting the proposal to embark on this uh, course of action and uh, make sure that they do that uh, good upfront due diligence. So um, we do have an acronym here again. I like to use acronyms. Uh, AIM means getting the CMMS initiative uh, strategy and mission sorted out. So the acronym is sorted. So that means strategically fo focused, uh, implements the capability that's required to achieve the mission. It's objective driven. So it's attainable and in an ex expedient timeframe. It's resource conscious. Demands for resources are allocated or apportioned. And we're, this is a very important concept for our webinar today, uh, allocated and positioned to deploy. Technically feasible, and this is not technologically feasible, this is technically feasible. And we'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, so knowledge is acquired and required assets are capable. And then economically viable. So all things considered, it must take uh, financial business sense and drivers are justified. Opportunities address viable needs. So that's aim there. So for the entire organization, a strategy-driven organization, it, uh, what's true for it should also be true for the CMMS project. So key challenges that are addressed by essentially taking aim or keeping strategic uh, direction in your project, especially from the outset is attracting buy-in. Uh, on the last webinar that we held, uh, that was actually one of the questions. I watched that webinar. So how do you attract buy-in? Keeping buy-in that may sometimes be fleeting. So you got the buy-in and you get in the midst of the project and all of a sudden it just wanes. High incidence of CMMS uh, initiative failure. A uh, variety of mid-project threats that delay, postpone, derail, cancel, or cause it to just burn out or fizzle. Uh, resource deficits that crop up mid-initiative and their causes. This is, We'll look at this as well. Uh, significant scope creep. Significant. Not just a little scope creep. Significant. And value erosion. So keep that in mind. Value erosion can happen early on in a project. Uh, the root causes of that. And uh, principles... Uh, that explain the mystery of internally rooted project threats, which are organizational uh, or internal weak weaknesses of the organization. So some smart principles. I know this is pretty popular out there for all different kinds of, uh, of objectives, uh, specific 
the uh, if you have an objective the objective should be specific so that the success criteria for the business activity is focused and it's also tangible it's measurable the activity can be quantified but at least by at least one or any number of measurement facets for example the effectiveness timeliness or quality so quality is a little bit tough to uh, probably measure but it can be done attainable the mission of the activity is attainable in the expected time frame it's relevant the measures of the activity target the achievement of the organization's strategic mission to achieve its goals and so what we're talking about here is this activity is could be the cmms project or other projects time bound a predetermined time period or interval provides the constraint of time by which goals are to be met or interim progress is tracked so i just want to bring this up here this is not coming from me from kind of a third party here. This is a well-established, uh, well-referenced uh, study that's done about every 10 years by the Standish Group. So most recently, uh, they published it, I believe, in 2015. They did a, uh, a pretty robust survey of all the companies and how much uh, project failure is experienced out there by by all different kinds of company and we're talking about it type projects um, which cmms is one so you you know those will include things like cmms systems they'll include uh, erp systems uh, manufacturing execution systems and warehouse management and all those other sorts of systems so i'm not going to go through this and read this detail the do want to point out that this webinar has a lot of material in it that's really intended to be referenced for you to go back and look at uh, and so if anything i say today just doesn't seem to hold water uh, just know that there's some some back background and backup to some of this that, that I'd like you to take a look at. Uh, you can click the link there on the bottom and go straight to the report itself as well. Uh, it should be a clickable link in the uh, PDF that could be provided. So here's some critical thinking questions to ponder. And I always find that asking good questions is a good way to get some good answers. So how is it that so many projects get derailed and what is the root cause? In reactive organizations, what can happen to the momentum of a project when it sporadically gets placed on the back burner? So think about some of these things and see if you've actually experienced some of these things before. And this goes to the Standish report. What could cause a project uh, to have its funding pulled, resources reassigned, be postponed, or be canceled altogether? And why do project resource deficits still occur even when reasonable, uh, well-planned and scheduled? Uh, what is the project environment like when senior managers expect the clock to start ticking toward implementation as soon as the project is approved? This is a big one. I, I get this a lot. And while key resources are not yet sufficiently available and are scheduled to other tasks, at least for the next coming weeks or, or even months, now imagine you come to discover that uh, you need a business analyst, for example, or you need a solutions architect, or you need somebody in IT and they're not available and someone's expecting a clock to start running and, and getting this implementation going. That's why planning is very important. Um, if overtime, think about this, if overtime is already out of control in the organization, especially locally to you, your local organizational unit, before the project begins, how will the work of the project get accomplished on time and on budget? You're just adding a new layer of um, accomplishments to to meet so next uh, more critical thinking questions how can we find out if similar projects this is very important insight 
uh, take on uh, that were taken on in the past or are frequently late, um, or if the full scope wasn't delivered. So how can we actually find out if similar project in the past experienced some problems and what can we do about it before we actually embark on our project? And then to the above question, why did it happen and how can we use that knowledge before making similar mistakes? Is it possible that strategically aligned projects, others you did a good job of aim and strategic direction, uh, if they were done, if that was done successfully and it still didn't make a difference in the realized value to the organization and why would that actually be the case? So why could that still happen? Do all projects have a logical cause effect relationship to the company, uh, company's mission, goals and strategy? Ask yourself that question. Any of the projects around you or that you're working on, do they have a logical cause effect relationship to the company's mission, goals and strategy? Uh, you will often get a client that will say, we need a CMMS. We need it. We need it now. We need it yesterday. And why do you need it? Well, because we just need it badly, right? There's, there's got to be more to it than that. It's very important. Uh, also, what happens mid-project when those projects are competing for scant resources while not materially contributing to the company's mission? So imagine that. If the project's low value and someone needs resources, do you think it's possible they might pull the resources for your project that you have planned. It is possible. Why would uh, why would anyone be the wiser if the above were the case? Or would anyone, sorry, be the wiser if above were the case? And does the company prioritize and track its initiatives and time, uh, time them to begin according to priority and resource availability? So AIM, there's this concept of project portfolio management that uh, is a best practice. And essentially it's a business function that may officially exist in an organization or may not. And uh, it's called PPM or project portfolio management. And so AIM takes the same principles uh, and the reason for that function and uh, uses it to, to manage projects that are pushing and pulling in all different directions. So what PPM does is it optimizes investment decision-making for all classifications of change in an organization affected through projects. So change is usually affected through projects and different campaigns. Uh, it enforces strategic alignment for projects by applying the best practices with internal and external constraints. Now that enforcement's usually done by a representative of, of the executive committee. Right, so there's an executive committee that comes up with criteria and then they uh, commission a uh, PMO or something like that to uh, enforce that. It establishes the requirements for project proposal submissions and business case guidelines. You'll see that in a little bit. Uh, standardizes uh, project initiation with a methodical approach and workflows to ensure planning quality. So this is what we're gonna talk about. Establishes executive committee standards, procedures, and criteria for the selection and approval of proposals. This is very important because if you know ahead of time what's gonna get the project approved, or if you get that ahead of time, that's how you should target your messaging to that executive committee. Provides a centralized overview and load balancing of organizational resources and staffing for all projects. Remember I used a military, um, sort of metaphor earlier on it's the same kind of thing imagine deploying all of these or having to do a full or total deployment and then you have all of these different uh, organizational entities in, in different places well how does that get coordinated uh, coordinated 
right? So it tracks dependencies and potential conflicts among various simultaneous projects. It standardized projects uh, requirements, provides checks and balances, and conducts multiple project tracking, and it performs overarching project portfolio support and governance and strategic capacity planning. So the capacity of those resources. So what I'm basically saying is that if you study project portfolio management best practices, you're gonna be in line with AIM best practices. So let's look at the organization. So let's talk about three different perspectives of strategic alignment. First, you have the top management of the organization came together and, and the board, and they're looking at uh, accomplishing something, right? Which is an enterprise mission. And so they have this vision and that vision forms, uh, you know, the principles of how they're gonna get there, uh, what is the, uh, how is the mission going to be accomplished? What are they trying to accomplish? And that's what they're looking at. Now that could be a moving target because, I mean, if you think about what just happened with COVID, uh, you know, things change, right? Outside of the organization, forcing the organization uh, to look in a different direction, right? Strategic direction, because that's a moving target. So keep that in mind. That's, that's one dynamic there. So next, the, we have, let's say, the PMO of the organization or a function. Whether or not this is a commission function within the business, the dynamics are still there. And if it's not, if it's not a function that actually exists in the organization, guess what? The dynamics are there and it's probably not being managed very well. It's a very important part. And so uh, this is the investments of the organization and they invest in campaigns. And so those campaigns need to be aligned and those campaigns are typically done in programs. So if you're doing, uh, you have project life cycles and projects that you're developing, uh, those are done in programs like your iPhone 12 or something like that, right? For the organization, those would be a program and then Apple would have some other products as well. So those are programs and, and essentially what they really are are campaigns and those campaigns require certain capabilities to run, right? And those capabilities are actually implemented by projects. And then those projects themselves are running simultaneously. Some are sort of cross-pollinating and they're part of, let's say, some program. So imagine all of these uh, campaigns and all of the capabilities that are being implemented at one time in flux here, uh, aligning to the enterprise mission. So how is that done? Well, that's going to be done through smart metrics. Now, with all of that, we haven't even talked yet about the resource pool. So who are gonna be uh, using those capabilities? Who are gonna be leveraging those capabilities, the knowledge, everything that they have uh, to offer? And sometimes in some cases, you're gonna have to outsource. Now I bring that up here because if you have a project for a CMMS running uh, and someone says, well, you know, I think you better get a, a business analyst involved at this point uh, for what your objectives are, depends on what your objectives are. Oh, you know, yeah, we have a couple of business analysts and you go and you, uh, and you know, you, uh, you go try to gra grab a hold of a business analyst in a timely manner and guess what? They're not available. You may have to outsource it. And what's that going to do to the project value? It's actually going to probably reduce the project value because you have to go uh, out, outsource that, right? If you had it in-house, which you did, but not available, then you're going to have to outsource it. Just like maintenance, right? Sometimes you have to outsource maintenance because you just don't have the resources. Right, so this is the same kind of concept. So then you'll have the maintenance organization for an example. So what this could be is a secondary uh, activity of the organization or a supporting activity, in this case, supporting, uh, let's say manufacturing, 
right? So you have the maintenance organization. And so you have that perspective. So, so far we've seen three different perspectives. You have the, uh, you have the top management in the board, then you have the uh, portfolio management that's, you know, looking at all these programs and really uh, managing resources and looking at, well, what is the strategic direction of the, the enterprise and what are we trying to achieve? And we only have these limited resources, so that's all managed there. And then you have the maintenance organization sponsor. And so that guy over there, let's call him the sponsor. He decides to say, well, we wanna, uh, we wanna create a capability um, uh, through a CMMS. So we need a CMMS capability. So they'll go ahead and submit a proposal. And that proposal is gonna get weighed on certain criteria because again, limited resources there in, uh, in the PMO. And so let's say, you know, it, go, it gets approved. And so you have the CMMS project approved. Now the, the, the work starts to begin. And this is where the challenge may begin as well. If you didn't go, do a good job up front in terms of making your case in that proposal over there. So it's just some things to think about. So, so what? Resource load balancing may be absent without PPM or AIM. So what might happen to the CMMS project if resource requirements are not well supported by the project charter? And why would the CMMS project resource requirements not be met, although an executive manager gave the go ahead, right, with that proposal? So again, same image. And what we're looking at is the project value landscape. So all of that in the center is the project value. And then think about this, I've been asking this question over and over, when the going gets tough and resources are needed elsewhere, what's the value lost from the perspective of the PPM function of pulling them from the CMMS initiative? Or if the CMMS projects come, uh, project is not very well planned, they come to discover, well, we need these different resources that we didn't know we needed. Now we have to pull them from the resource pool. What are we gonna do? By the way, we said that the ROI and rate of return was going to be this, and guess what? Now we have to outsource. So, so these are some of the challenge that come, challenges that come up. All right, so let's look at some of the decisions or how some of the decisions are going to be made for um, a project portfolio, how someone's going to make a decision as to whether to um, approve the project. And also, think about this, is not only what's going to get approved, but what it's, what it's going to get approved for, like the budget, the time, and all those sorts of things. If a good case is not made up front, and we see this a lot, it gets under budgeted. And so that's where the problem, you know, problems come in with derailments and delays and cancellations and all those sorts of things. So one of the criteria is strategic alignment. That's always there. I mean, I, any company, that's going to be one of the number one or top uh, criteria. And so these are scored, by the way, in the best case. If not, then they're done ad hoc and wow, that's that's even worse. But so market attractiveness. So let's think about this for a second. Market attractiveness. This is probably the primary activities, right? How the company makes money uh, with a um, with a product or a service. So remember the CMMS is a secondary, you know, supporting a secondary activity, let's say maintenance services. So there is a kind of a strike against the CMMS right there because it's not a primary activity and there's no association necessarily, or you should make it, to market attractiveness, because we're not talking about a product, right? Fit to existing supply chain. So in other words, we already have everything we need. We already have the suppliers. Can What, is it, what we're gonna take on right now, is, is there a fit already? Do we already have those relationships? Time to break even, uh, 
you know, return on investment or rate of return or net present value, product and competitive advantage. Again, just like the second bullet point, leverage of core competencies. Do we have uh, the core competencies? Technical feasibility and complexity. This is very similar to the one uh, for the core competencies and also assets as well and risks. So let's just take a, a more detailed look at, let's say how the criteria would be scored. So for example, technical feasibility. So look at three different criteria definitions. So it's very difficult. So we need significant internal expertise is required. And this is all in the proposal, by the way. So somewhat difficult will require some external expertise, which is very common. And then easy, you know, it can be implemented by internal employees. So there might be something like the low score scores at one, average score scores at 10, and then the high score scores at 15. These, uh, with all the scoring criteria you see on the left, they get tallied up, all right? So just imagine some of those things that the CMMS are not really directly involved with are going to probably score the CMMS lower. So the point on the bottom is making a strong proposal up front must align to key decision-making criteria like above as mission-critical initiatives. So those capabilities that are being implemented must be mission-critical and make a case or a business case as to why that is. So just very quickly, and before we move into the next section, just want to give you an idea of what is the cascading of uh, types of artifacts or documents related to initiating a case. And I'm using the 10 keys here on the left. So you start off with uh, the first key, deploy the implementation team, and then you go through in a clockwise fashion. And so a couple you know, overlays here, but if you look on the right-hand side, you start off with a business case at the preliminary phase of the project. You make a really strong case, you get the right people involved. We'll look at that later. Uh, you get a project charter um, in the project initiation work that's done with a, a, a project manager. Um, if that looks good, you move forward with business requirements where usually a business analyst would get involved with the project manager and maybe subject matter experts, uh, then move on to the detailed solution or technological requirements, and then on into building the CMMS. So this is all before implementation at number five down there, you see at the, about the five o'clock position. So let's go through some CMMS project pitfalls. And if the CMMS is gonna fail, then it better fail fast, right? You always hear fail fast, this is very important. So we're gonna take a look here in this section, and I'm gonna be very brief in this section because you can look at this, um, I don't wanna belabor, but what I wanna do is just point out uh, some reference materials, some ideas and different layers of causal factors that, um, that uh, occur or that part of a CMMS failure. And I, I wanna point out that CMMS failure is not uh, necessarily, it doesn't mean that the CMMS is not implemented or deployed, but can also include the case where CMMS is operational, but fails to return the expected value uh, in support of business programs or campaigns, just like a, a regular asset would, right? You can install an asset, it could run, but if it's not running well, then it's not returning the value. So I'm not gonna read these off, but I just wanna uh, point your direction to some of these things. These are what I would call level one causal factors related to either inherent cultural weaknesses of the organization or just not having good PPM practices in place. And what I mean to say is I'm not saying that the organization has to have a project portfolio management function. Uh, what I'm saying is just the practices aren't in place. And then also the sponsor may not be making a very ironclad business case uh, from the 
uh, from the bottom up viewpoint. So again, keep in mind uh, this section, you're gonna be able to get a copy of this deck for reference uh, later. So we'll just take a look uh, very briefly at some level two causes. These are some of the things that can be experienced as a result of level uh, one, or you may not even discover uh, anything about level one, but you notice these sort of effects and, and things going on. So these are conditions that will lead to failure or could lead to failure. So you gotta be very cautious about them. Take a look at the last group here, a level four. And so th the last is uh, when all the previous practices are skipped, right? If you skipped all those, you probably get down to this point. So really the point to take away here is that strong due diligence in a documented business case is uh, an emphatic answer to the problem uh, that should carry through to a good project management approach and practices. And so we'll take a look at some overall processes in just a moment. So. Again, so here's some of the uh, effects. You may have a false start, worsening business uh, service performance and reduction rather than an improvement in capability. Um, trying miserably to solve systematic problems with technology. I know there's one, at least one person giggling out there about this one and it's not funny. Unpreparedness to support user training leading to unsatisfactory adoption, low quality unusable data and data accuracy issues, fostering poor decision-making, project delay, postponement, derailment, cancellation, or just burn and fizzle out, little or no additional business value or undesirable disruption realized by adopting the by the adopting organizational unit. In other words, you put in the CMMS, that's that case where, well, it didn't not get, you know, get installed or, you know, it's not operating, it's just not providing business value and there's low adoption, very common. Significant financial losses and competitive disadvantage over time with a commission system. Again, operational due to confusion, loss of knowledge, resource waste, and downtime. A dominating sense of organizational frustration and attrition. Think about how some of these things feel before you embark on the project. The initiative completes significantly over budget or provides a poor rate of return beyond mission projections and a, lot, a lack of enthusiasm and morale among the user community to support the CMMS's potential. Including, I would say, that what if the CMMS actually, the, the project caused that lack of enthusiasm, right? It could actually happen, so something to think about. Now, I'm not gonna go through 50 frequent culprits of CMMS implementation failure. The intention here is to uh, point this to a reference later on that you wanna take a look at. So I'm gonna go through the next five slides very quickly, including this one. Go ahead and take a look at these later on uh, through the PDF that you get, put together some very powerful ones. And finally, some key omens in the part of this section. So um, significant scope creep without change control. Escalating costs accompanied by deterioration of value and benefits, schedule slippages that can't be corrected, missed deadlines, and poor morale accompanied by changes in key project personnel. It's another thing that happens as well. Project gets started and there, there, there's a changes in personnel, people involved because there wasn't good upfront planning. Who's this? Why are they here? Are they watching me? What's going on, right? Um, I don't see that in the plan. These types of things are going on. So let's take a look at the next section, uh, strategic alignment. 
and we have our poll question. So let me go ahead and read this question and see if we can get some answers back here. So what is a valid implementation timeframe between the time that the project charter uh, is accepted and the go live date for the CMMS? What would you say that is? You've given us some options here, one to three months, three to six okay. months, six to 12 months, and more than 12 months. Thank you, and I see that folks are already voting and um, I appreciate your feedback here again. What is a valid implementation timeframe between the project charter sponsorship and the go live date? So thinking of those schematics that Scott was showing you and the time frame here. So how much time is, is necessary? And I've got over half the audience here, which I appreciate. If I can get just a few more votes in, then we'll share the results live with everyone. All right, I'm going to close it down and share the results with you. So Scott, 46% of the audience voted for six to 12 months for the implementation timeframe. Next was three to six months, that got 32%. Third place was one to three months, that got 14%. And then uh, more than 12 months was voted at 7%. So of course, we're very curious about your perspective here. Yeah, so my perspective is it can all be right. It really depends on the size of the initiative. But what I will say is that, uh, just be cognizant of, uh, I always say that if you're thinking it's gonna be three months, I would say uh, take careful consideration that it may not be double that in, in any case. Uh, if someone's looking at more than 12 months, then it may be a two year project. Now, that doesn't mean you can't change the dynamics of the project and reduce it down. In fact, that's often what happens. What is important though, is that you go into a project expecting it to be five months and it's much longer than five months. So you wanna do some good planning up front to make sure uh, that, uh, that you have a good timeline. Okay, and I want to reassure everyone that uh, we will be sending you a copy of these slides. Scott, you've built this out as an intent to have it as a resource. So don't worry, you're going to get a copy of these. Do fill out the survey at the end when we get there, um, but uh, we will send you a copy. All right, Scott, back to you. All right, thanks, Leah. All right, so earlier we broadly discussed the overarching relationship among motivation components of a company's strategic direction and the ends and means or the campaigns to achieve stakeholder goals. So here, let's just go ahead and break down five conditions that we'll need to have lined up going into the deployment. So you have the vision there first, and it's a motivating descriptor, if you will of the desired ends of the uh, initiative aligned with the aim or strategic direction. And so once a project's begun, it owes its origin and reason for being in the business case. So the, the vision is uh, documented in a, in a business case and making a case and that uh, that's happens at the preliminary or proposal phase. Now the necessity has to be strong. That's the, the drivers or the opportunities to implement a capability tied to the strategy. Again, projects are implementing capabilities and it's tied to the strategy and mission and that would be set in motion. And once you have a good strong base of the vision and the necessity, then you would have to uh, create a plan. And so 
that is going to owe its authority um, to the uh, to the vision and necessity. So building a good plan, one that's relevant. Uh, if you this what this points out here is that if you're missing any one of these components or weak in any of one of these components, the result will probably feel like one of those things on the right hand side in the red uh, the red uh, rectangles. So you can have great necessity, you can have great vision, um, a mediocre sort of plan. And if you do, what's gonna ensue, especially when you're in a you know, larger organization, it's not just one or two people uh, in terms of the project organization, then you're probably gonna experience chaos. Um, and then of course, calling out, making sure that you have adequate resources, that's what resources uh, means in this context, and then the competence needed to accomplish, uh, accomplish what needs to be accomplished in the plan. So these are just things to be aware of. And you could test this. If you were to, um, you were to take a trip somewhere, a long road trip, um, several days in, in a car, if you think about it, if you went without any one of these things, then you're gonna probably experience one of the things on the right-hand side, the resistance, the confusion, the chaos, the frustration, and the fear. So, uh, doing a good job up front to check all the boxes um, on the top there, um, or NVPRC, which is necessity, uh, vision, plan, resources, and competence, will help ensure that you can get the change or get to the destination that you want to get to. And that's the point of this. So this is a good check to make sure that you're getting to where you want to go. So let's do a smart alignment, because that's what we're talking about in this section. So at the very top what we're targeting is drivers right we're targeting drivers and internal and external um, influencers or drivers of change and we can recognize an opportunity to implement a capability in the project so there's strategic planning and there's value propositions portfolios investments decisions that are made at the executive management level and the board level and aligning to that would be, let's say, the primary business capability, which let's say operations, in this case, uh, let's say a production of, of a product or a service. And then cascading down to the maintenance organization, which are supporting activities or secondary activities of the value chain of the organization. And then you actually have the value stream within maintenance, right? So it's how does something go from an event, a business event that occurs, in other words, maintenance gets notified, and it goes through a stream of functions, which are the activities, use cases, processes, scenario, which become the capability requirements that are needed for the CMMS, which supports information management. And then from there, it gets through the value chain as quickly as possible to a product, right? The product doesn't necessarily mean a tangible product. It could be a work order done, but there is probably some tangible attached to it where let's say a machine is now running optimally. And then you have the smart objectives. Once again, uh, vertical and horizontal. So horizontal across uh, value chains or sorry, value streams and supply chains and vertical um, from the top to the bottom and bottom to the top. And so, Let's just take an example look at, let's let's call it a dashboard, right? So measured outcomes, you may have at the very top something like social value, then stakeholder, I'm sorry, shareholder value, margin, right? Return on net assets, net asset value, 
So this is cascading down to an actual asset, looking at the asset criticality, which can also be in flux that can change depending on the context that the asset is being uh, asked to, um, to provide service. Uh, OEE, availability, maintenance availability as one portion of availability, maintenance strategy, the right strategy for the asset criticality and the need, meantime to restore or repair, stock out rate, right? One component of meantime to restore could be related to MRO and parts. And what's the service level of that particular organization or function? It could be its own organization or just a function. And what's the cycle time that we can measure? So again, these are smart objectives. So that each one of these things are related to capability maturity in the organization. So the enterprise is deploying capability and it's related to that maturity. So here's just another way to look at it. It's another de uh, viewpoint decomposing uh, from high level business capabilities. And if you see on the right, it says transformation. So transformations within the business architecture simultaneously uh, with their respective smart programs and, or campaigns. So that's that vertical and horizontal smart going on simultaneously, right? The, the alignment. And at the same time, the CMMS initiative on the bottom left uh, targets alignment to the strategic direction of the company, implementing some or new enhanced capability. In this case, let's say the CMMS. So imagine, if you will, if everyone in the organizational, in their organizational unit, like sales, marketing, operations, logistics, and they're all making commitments at the very same time, just did their own thing, how would the company ever correct course and cease wasting their resources uh, while the competition at this very same time is speeding ahead? You can see the, the second box down there where the business model is and the, and the value propositions. And so, um, it's going to be difficult on executing the company's capability strategy. Um, so yeah, that's just another view of this. And you can see the 10 keys down there put in kind of where this fits in. You can see the cascading of KPIs as well. Um, again, this doesn't necessarily always mean that it's going to be vertical. It could also be horizontal. Another viewpoint. So let's have another lower level viewpoint here. Um, and this is into a typical, let's say, Lean Six Sigma campaign. So you can see that box uh, there in the green program LSS production system. So that's the campaign. And so it's not a complete picture, you know, be very busy for a, for a Lean Six Sigma program. You see things like TPM on there, uh, but it's ample enough to capture some basic classifications of program components or campaign components. And this diagram is gonna illustrate the interdependencies of the various projects. If you look down there on the right, there's a Gantt on the bottom right. Uh, of just a few organizational units. So let's say operations and maintenance services in this case. And so think about this and then let alone, let alone the entire organizational alignment that has to occur. So smart and good internal compliance enforcement is really the way to keep it all aligned both vertically and horizontally. All right, so let's get to the solution which is the business case. And we'll go through this pretty quickly um, because the how is a little bit more of you know, something that you, takes practice and a little bit of research, uh, but it's not difficult. But what we want to do is look at all the components. So the business case uh, should have for the recipient or somebody who's going to uh, be approving the business case, hopefully, is these uh, the following things. So it clearly states that the nature and the urgency of the problem and it identifies 
uh, mission critical gaps. This is where critical success factors come from. I, I hear that word or that term thrown out a lot. And it's very important that critical success factors are mission critical. So the capability that's supporting a mission, mission critical operation are critical success factors, anything that's re related to that capability. It identifies the area and the scope of the problem's impacts this is an area or, or an issue that I see a lot. The area is very cloudy. We just don't know what is the scope of the work area or what part of the organizational unit or what function or what value stream does this have to do with and what part of that. It uses SMART goals. It identifies relevant KPIs. Uh, it identifies technical feasibility and required resources for the implementation. It's one of the biggest things to get right up front. It captures and summarizes the reasoning and rationale for uh, initiating a project to implement the capabilities. It builds on the premise of a service's mission to de deliver uh, customer value. It could be an internal customer through a work product like we looked at in the value stream. It expands on the organizational unit's value proposition, so let's say maintenance services, to identify the related total organization impact, and this is with numbers. It qualifies the accuracy of the methods, data, and collection, and estimates used to arrive at the compelling recommendation that it's going to make. So in other words, this is not done haphazardly, it's done with data. It identifies both tangible and intangible business benefits and qualifies, or sorry, quantifies them. It provides multiple scenarios. This is very key. So it provides different scenarios, different options for the executive management to take and what the expected in impacts are. And even the impact of doing nothing, your business case should say, well, if you don't do anything, here's what we expect to happen. That could make a strong business case for what you actually want to recommend. It provides worst, best, and most pro uh, probable case for budgetary items. And usually the executive committee will go with, all right, let's go with the worst case, right? Let's look at that as the starting point uh, to approve this or not. It fairly evaluates uh, value add results that stakeholders should expect with a high degree of accuracy. It identifies uh, logical cause effect requirements and clear reasoning to justify the commitment of resources and funding, very important. The logical cause effect, we, we need a CMMS. Why, what is the logical cause effect? What's going on? And that gets put in the executive summary in a very brief statement about what the problem is. What is the problem that is hurting us and what's the logical cause effect by the capability that you're recommending? And it recommends a course of action that the management should take based on evaluation uh, conclusions supporting data. So let me go through this um, a step by step and we'll get moving a little quick here, hopefully get some questions. So you have the sponsor, a corporate director of maintenance is ready to deploy an enterprise-wide CMMS forms a business case development team to get the ball rolling. On that team, uh, they go ahead and conduct uh, due diligence and they work to prepare a solid business case, including a cost benefit analysis with all the portfolio selection criteria I just spoke about above, hitting the mark with the best case, likely case, worst case, and do nothing scenarios. The business analyst on the team submits the business case for the executive committee for approval. Having been approved, the project initiates and the project manager is assigned to begin working starting uh, with thorough research and review of the high-level scope. Uh, with the help of uh, SMEs, they work on the project charter. You can take a look at this later. The project submits uh, the project charter, I'm sorry, the PM, the project manager submits it and strategic alignment still checks out and updates for ROI still look great. The, the, the ROI hasn't eroded at this point and the, the core team enters into the planning phase um, and starts to work with the business analyst and actually gets into 
the, the project with, uh, with the project initiation or rather project uh, execution. Now, the project execution is not to uh, say that the CMMS implementation has occurred, has not occurred yet. It's the uh, solution requirements that are being uh, studied very carefully and validated. And then once that's done and documented, that actually becomes the CMMS critical success factors, among other nice-to-haves, of course. And so you guys can take a look at this later, but these are some business case essentials that you're going to want to include. Um, just some tips about business case essentials. And here's just an example. I pulled this from a pretty good book um, that covers some of the elements that you would have. Uh, very important are sections three and four. Uh, section three is supported by section four and the executive overview. And so the, the problem and everything is going to be looked at in a very short form in the executive overview. And the body of the report is going to uh, provide things like analysis and assessments that were done proving or essentially making the case that the capability that's being proposed uh, be uh, approved for the organizational unit that's going to um, implement the capability. And some tips here, you guys can take a look at this at the end. There's some tips on here um, related to how, how do you see alignment as well. Um, I think a good ontology works really well that helps uh, discover that. And then if there's any questions, I wanted to make sure we got the questions. So I moved a little quick there at the end. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. I appreciate <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, a lot to cover. I, yeah, so great job there. And uh, we do have a couple of questions in. The first one I'm going to send you here is about pilots. So when you implement a CMMS, uh, do you recommend implementing it across the company or just in a pilot area, or does it depend? It can be done both ways. I just say that re relevant to this type of uh, or to this webinar, or this presentation is just making sure that you do have your ducks before you get them in a row. So make sure you have the right ducks that are going to go on the journey with you. Pilots work very well, but there's no difference uh, in the components to building a good business case for that pilot. And I think what you'll find is that if you work through building a business case, even if you work through it on your own and you don't have this, let's say, PPM function or PMO function in your business, um, just doing that, you probably come to discover that you um, you know, you'll, you'll find really what's what you're trying to accomplish and focus more on the goals and what what is the size and scope of this initiative. So uh, it is it is a great idea to do pilots and there are different ways to do pilots. You may do a pilot of just certain functionality of, of the CMMS. So that might uh, we, we have pilots where they say we're just going to use a CMMS initially uh, for MRO for that function. Uh, and then we're going to bring the maintenance organization in and we're going to pilot other areas for work execution, planning and scheduling and projects and other things like that. So pilots work very well. Okay. One more question and a short answer on this one. You talked about reactive work way in the beginning when you were talking about disrailers. Um, and obviously there's going to be reactive work in, in any situations, but what's the percentage of reactive work that gets to the point where it's pulling labor resources from the planned work? Yeah, so this wasn't referring particularly to uh, work in the maintenance organization. This is the project work and the resources getting pulled, but it still has an effect, obviously. Percentage-wise, what is the danger point? Uh, I would say uh, it's, it's hard to answer that, but 
you want to minimize that as much as possible. It's it's mm -hmm. really hard to put a percentage on that. Um, I would say that your best case would probably be 10 to 15% would be what you're striving for um, of reactive work, of total work that you're performing or, mm -hmm. or total workforce needs. Um, and then perhaps uh, if you're in the higher tier, uh, it's possible, you know, many organizations are 75% reactive. Now that's going to pose obviously a big challenge to implementing a CMMS. So you have to be realistic about that effort. Yep. I want to encourage folks to note down your email address here, Scott, Scott Rojas at fluke.com. You're welcome to ping Scott directly. Although for everyone who submitted a question, we will answer back to you in writing. And then Scott, if you'll forward to the next slide, I want to encourage everyone to tune in on November 4th. We're going to be joined by Michael Watson, also of Fluke Reliability, to discuss how connected thermography builds sustainable asset health management. And the last time we surveyed our webinar audience about asset inspection techniques, there was really strong interest in using thermography data as part of a larger failure mode assessment plan. And that's exactly where Michael comes in. So I hope that uh, you will all join us on November 4th for what will also be a very productive learning session. And then if you'll forward one more time for me, Scott, we have some big news. This is our Accelerate Learning event. It's as much conference as it is training. And I really want to encourage everyone to take a look here because this is the first time we've done it virtual, which means it's going to be much more accessible to a wider body of people. Again, it's very instruction focused. Um, and there'll be sessions on all the different maintenance and reliability strategies that we've talked about. I'm including some on PPM. Uh, so similar to the types of uh, learning opportunities that you get in this webinar series, but in more depth and breadth. And then lastly, Scott, one more forward. Please do stay online after I close the webinar. There'll be a slight pause and then you'll see the survey link appear. We really appreciate it when you can take a few moments to complete the survey because your feedback helps both the presenter and us as far as planning the next session, keeping it relevant. Everyone who completes the survey will receive a copy of today's presentation. And if you'd like to receive a certificate of attendance, look for that question in the survey, enter yes, and we'll send one to you. The recorded webinar will be available on excelx.com within a day or two. And that is it for today's presentation. Thank you so much, Scott. This was certainly a masterclass. It was such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you, Leah. Thank you very much. Right on. So thank you everyone for joining us. Have a great afternoon and we will see you next time. Thank you.